0: Get out there and try something. Love that quote. Man, I hope you're challenged as you watch that. I have just thoroughly loved our Go series. It has been so much fun. Last week even, um, I don't know if you know this, but pastors, we sometimes, we peak during altar calls on purpose because we want to be able to connect. And I was so excited as I glanced over seeing four people respond and say, I'm considering going for one year on a missions experience. I want God to use me wherever he wants me to go. And I was so encouraged by that. I just can't wait to see what God's going to do in the lives of those four people responding. And I know, even from talking with others of you, that God is challenging each one of us to go beyond what we have ever gone before and trusting God to help us to make an impact in the world. What we're talking about today is something that I believe is so foundational to who we are as a church, so foundational for why we exist as human beings. I think at its very rock foundation, this is why we are here. There are two things that Jesus, that we cannot do in heaven that we can do while we're on earth. After we say yes to following Jesus, two things we can do. One of them is is sin, can't do that in heaven, still can do that if we choose to while we're on earth. And the second is to influence someone else for Christ. Now my question for you is, why do you think Jesus left us here on earth? Is it to sin? No, it's to influence other people for Christ. That's why he's given you the gifts that he's given you, the talents, the abilities, all those things. It's so much more than just so I can make a paycheck, so I can provide for my family. Those are all important things But the reason why you're here right now, if you've said yes to Jesus, is because Jesus wants to use you to make an impact to have influence on other people. See, the reason why we come together on a Sunday morning isn't just so we can see our friends and to hear some great music and some great encouraging teaching. If that's the reason why we're here, we're missing out. Those are all great side benefits, It's super important. I'm glad that we enjoy being here. I'm glad that we have the amazing worship team that we do. I'm so thankful that every week, our pastors, they just hit it out of the park and challenge us and encourage us. I'm so honored to have a chance to share with you today. But if we think that's our purpose for being here, we're missing out. The reason why we exist as a church is so that we can lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, That's why we're here. And you know what? God wants to use you to influence other people to become more like Jesus. I was looking for a good definition of of influence In, in the dictionary. It says, influence is the power to affect how someone develops and acts and thinks. See, God expects you to be an influence Everywhere you go, every place you are, he expects you to be an influence for his kingdom's sake. The Bible says in Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. When people see you, what do they see? I, I've shared before in a leadership tonight just how I envision our leaders uh, using an illustration of either a thermostat or a thermometer. Which one are you? When you go into a situation, do you just reflect the culture that you find yourself in? When you're at the water cooler at the office or break room and everyone's sharing some jokes that are a little off color, do you just join in? Because you you're going to reflect the same environment that you're in, but then Sunday mornings, boy, oh, we got to kind of not say those things, right? My challenge for us every single person in our campus is to be a thermostat be someone who sets the environment everywhere you go when you when you're at the at the office do people respond differently because you're there at school do people respond differently because they see you in your neighborhood, do people respond in a, in a way they realize that Jesus is living inside of you? And whether or not they've said yes to following Jesus, they're on. They say, "Wow, look at the good things going on in that person's life," and they 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 glorify, they honor God because they see how you're living. Man, I want to live that kind of life. I, I liked what uh, in Jeremiah 15 the Bible says: You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. A lot of us as Christians, we have that verse backwards. We get influenced and we shriek back from influencing other people. So the question today is how? How do we do that in a really hyper-local way? We have focused the past few weeks on some amazing messages about how God wants to use the, the, the capital C church, how he wants to use the church, the church is the hope of the world, I mean, I was so excited about Pastor Darren's message when he preached on that uh, last week. When, when, when Justin Mack, who's usually with us here, I mean, he just did a, such a fantastic job talking about world missions and about how God wants to use you. Consider going on a missions trip. How you don't be complacent thinking that just here and right where you are is the only thing you need to think about. I love the fact that all these things build on each other. Because in the Bible, it talks about us being a witness in our local area, Jerusalem. Some, you know, all, all, And it branches out to the regional area, to your state, all, all across the world. All those things. We don't just say, I'm only going to be passionate about foreign missions. Or I'm just going to be passionate about local projects. All those things. We need to encompass all of those. And God's going to call some of you to be overseas. But I've been wrestling with something. And just to be a little transparent with you, I was thinking, why is it that when I was in Thailand a couple weeks ago, it was so easy to engage people in relationship? It was so easy for me to go on purpose to uh, to the park, purposefully just to build some relationship with people. And why don't I do that at home like I do on the mission field? And what can I do to change that? I think part of it has to do with time. We just we get so busy in life, right? We get we don't think about those things. We're so busy getting to work, coming home, fighting traffic, we got family, commitments, we have all kinds of things going on and we just forget. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget why I'm here. I don't want to forget that love for people is so much more than talking. Love does. That's our theme for the year. Love does. See, I want to get personally involved in caring for other people. I want to get really practical today. I want to help us to figure out how do we do that in our local context. And to do that, I I want to uh, jump into a story that Jesus shared that really, if you take it to heart, can change how you live your life tomorrow. Because Jesus was a master of telling stories. And one day, uh, a religious expert, someone who is trying to kind of pin Jesus down on some theological point, he asked Jesus, and he said, well, how is it that you get eternal life? And so Jesus said, well, what does Moses, the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He said, well, you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, I love Jesus' response. He says, okay, go, go ahead. Yeah, go for that. Do that. And the guy is thinking, okay, man, something, how am I going to? That's pretty impossible to do. So he's trying to defend himself. And he says, he says well, okay, who, who exactly is my neighbor? So Jesus said this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by some bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and just just passed him by. A little bit later on, a temple assistant walked by and he looked at him lying there. But he too, he passed him the side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. And he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the innkeeper, and gave two silver coins. And he said, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you whatever, is whatever over the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asks this question back to this expert of the law. He said, now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who, attacked, who was attacked by bandits. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Yes, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, I, I get the original meaning of this parable here. Because Jesus is trying to help broaden our understanding of who our neighbor is. It's anyone who we meet, even someone who is despised by us because of their nationality or because of their up, upbringing, are people we're supposed to reach out to. And we in America are so good at generalizing this parable because we're, we're really good at saying, well, we got to love everyone. And it's just true. That's exactly the point. We're supposed to be caring about everyone that we meet. A pastor uh, once said this, I thought it was good. He said, to love the whole world for me is no chore. My only real problem is the neighbor next door. See, what if when Jesus says to love our neighbors, included in there is your actual neighbor? Your actual neighbor who lives next door. It's so much easier for me to love people who I'll never see again, and invest in them. But the people that I see every single day, the people that I, I wave to as they go to the mailbox or they're dropping off the garbage at the end of the street, those are the people that see me all the time. They're the ones who see me when I'm at my best, they see me when I'm at my worst. What if Jesus meant we're supposed to include our actual neighbors in his mission of loving our neighbors? I think he does. I think that you and I are so good at generalizing that we forget the specific. I really believe that our community, Woodbury, East Metro, can be changed one neighborhood at a time. That each one of us realizing we have this privilege of being a light in our literal neighborhood. For me, that means Brookview Village Point in Woodbury. That's my immediate neighborhood. Of who I am reaching out to in my community, my street. I live in a corner, Sailor Way. I'm thinking about my street, the people who I care about, the people that I see all the time. This the kids who are running around up and down the streets and on their little, you know, go kart things that they got at Christmas time, and I'm seeing them, and I'm, I want to be a missionary to my own neighborhood. I want to get to know them. I want to care about each one. I love our focus on prayer walking. For us, we included prayer driving because it's cold outside. But I love, I love us going and praying and seeing our neighborhood with eyes where we're specifically saying, Lord, help me to see my neighborhood the way that you see it. What are our ways that I can impact my neighborhood? It, if I could wave a magic wand, if I could somehow cause my neighborhood to represent the kingdom of God, what would I want to see changed? And allow the Lord to just speak into your heart people that you need to meet, names that you need to memorize, people who need your touch in their life that you see every single day. We've got to serve them. We've got to love them because love does. Love does. It's not just saying I love everyone. It's how am I going to live that out every single day in my block? I read a book called The Art of Neighboring. Awesome book. There's a, there's a graphic that I wanted to share with you. It talks about my neighborhood. And it puts, um, I want to bring up that, ga- that graphic for me. Yeah, there you go. It says, who's my neighbor? And inside there is where you live. If you live In a town home, if you live in a single-family home, it doesn't matter. Put yourself in that middle box, and then think about the neighbors that live around you. The person who lives across the street from you, the person who lives kitty-corner over here, the person who lives next to you there, person behind you, person over here, person over there, person over there. And some of you, you live on a farm, and you're thinking, that is a huge territory. Well, it still fits. Just think of yourself. It's a bigger acreage, each one of those. But who are your neighbors? When I, when I would go back to Kalispell where Melinda's from, she grew up on a farm and their neighbors are literally miles away. It seems like, or they're not miles, but it sure seems like that for a city boy, but they knew all their neighbors, even though they they had to, they had to go on a long walk to get to each neighbor. They knew their neighbors. Who is your literal neighbor? And what I challenge you to do, just think about this. Do you, number one, do you know their name? Do you know even the names yet of the people who are around you? If I would ask for you to actually fill this out, statistics, the people who wrote this book, they said less than 50% of people would actually know the names of the neighbors who are around them. And then if I ask you a second question, and I'd say, what's, what's some facts about that person? You couldn't you can't just say, oh, they work at at Excel Energy, because I see their truck outside. No, it doesn't count. Like some fact that you know because you've actually talked to them. Like a fact about their life. That's the second question. And then the third one is what are their hopes and dreams? Where you actually have a relationship where they've shared with you something deeper about their life. They said fewer than 1% of a congregation knows their neighbors on that third level. I thought, man, what if we would change that? What if we would get intentional about loving our actual neighbors? Don't get me wrong. This does not mean you still don't go to St. Paul to help out at Union Gospel Mission. This does not mean you don't go on a, on a global team. All those things. We do each one of those things. But don't forget the most local, which is the hardest, I think. Because it's easy for us to forget it. Because they're there all the time. We think, oh, I can reach out to them sometime. Thailand, I only got 10 days. I better do it now. But what if we had that same urgency, that same intentionality to reach out and and figure out who are those people around us? And to literally write down on a piece of paper, make a little tic-tac-toe thing, and find out who are my neighbors. Can you answer how many names do you know? So you know what? Leading up to Easter, I think I'm going to come back and talk about this once in a while, just during announcements. I want us to actually figure out if we don't know our neighbors yet, let's be intentional. Let's think this week. Is it, it's supposed to be in the 40s on Friday. People are going to be coming out of their homes like a, a cocoon. And so come, and like actually, instead of saying, hey, man, how you do? that's what I do. Hey, how you doing, man? It's so good to see you. What if you can get to the point where you're saying, hi, Mark, how you doing? Get their name down. And then, you know what else I found? The best way to help someone connect with you, if you're trying to build a relationship, isn't even to go... Uh, serve on a project that they need. That's one of the things we're going to talk in a moment. But if, if I can invite them to help me, they're more likely to say yes. If I say, hey, I got this big thing in my garage I got to move, they'll come and help me. But they won't ask me to help them. And almost, you got to build the, the vulnerability because no one wants anyone to owe them anything, right? No one wants to feel indebted. But we got to be willing to get over that and to feel indebted to someone else because it can help us to build Relationships. So I want to talk about five super important steps of building our levels of influence with our neighbors. And it starts super easy, and it gets incredibly hard. Each step is harder than the first. So if you have some paper with you, you can write these things down. The very first one that I want you to write down is start smiling at people. Smile. Wave. I can tell you, you can change someone's day by a a simple phrase that you would say, a smile. I've noticed Melinda's come home from Target, and she is just, all of a sudden, her mood is just like, she's flying. And I said, what goes, what happened? She said, you would not believe how friendly the person at Target was. And they were just over the top friendly, and it actually changed her view of the day because she had just had four kids, five kids hanging on her, and 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 like the, the, the checkout person was saying, "Oh man, your kids are, are so well behaved," and it just made her feel so good. And all of a sudden, she's flying high because of a simple conversation that encouraged someone. The Bible says in Proverbs fifteen thirty, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Can we be focused on bringing a cheerful look to people around us? Just so simple. So simple, but it can change someone's day. See, I was, we were at, um, at, at where was it, Red, Red Robin for dinner this past week. And we, Melinda and I were talking, and we said, man, this server, she is so good. She's, it's like the best ser- server we've had for a long time. And I just decided, let's tell her that. And w- I, when we told her that she was doing an exceptional job of serving, you would not believe the smile on her face. She was so excited. Why, why keep those things back? Why don't just share those positive things with someone else and make their day? I bet you she's still thinking about it this week. It's just a simple thing to do. But those words that we share is a gateway into building relationship to go from a stranger to an acquaintance to an actual, literal, real relationship. That's the first step. The second step is this. By, it's by sympathizing with people. Sympathizing with people. It's it's when you take the time to actually listen to someone. When your eyes are locked and you're engaged in conversation and and you're trying to have some empathy and understanding what's going on in their life. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians 1, He comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can sit in our home and close the garage. No, wait, that's, that's wrong. He comforts us with all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. So that we can leave the garage door up, so we can get to know our neighbors, so when time is right, we can comfort others around us in our neighborhood. We can comfort others around us in church. We can comfort others in our metro area. We can comfort others in our state. We can comfort others around the world. But don't forget... He wants to use you to comfort others around your neighborhood. Being friendly is part of your job description as a follower of Jesus. Being someone who listens to your neighbors is someone that's—it's uh, it's part of our job description. See, in God's economy, the greater you serve someone else, the greater your influence will be in someone else's life. I'm jumping to the third thing already. So listen. And then the third thing is this: you serve people. Number three, you serve people. You practice this radical idea where you care about others. If someone is having a project going on in their backyard, get involved. I remember helping a neighbor put up a. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a construction guy by any means, but I just saw he was struggling putting up the deck, and he needed some help holding a piece of wood. I can do that. I can hold a piece of wood in the name of Jesus he, because, because I'm building a relationship. I'm serving. Even if I got a sliver, I, I did it for Jesus. You know. It's okay. You can serve in such simple ways. I, I started to build a relationship with one of my neighbors who just moved recently, but he was putting a fence up in his backyard. I went out and I was helping him dig fence post stuff. And, and that began to build a relationship. Begin by serving It's so important that we do that. So important. The Bible says, get this, 1 Corinthians 9. It says, even though I am free from the demands and the expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, Whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world, I entered their neighborhood. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those who I meet into a God saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I don't just want to talk about it. I wanted to begin on it. Quickly, the last one, the fourth one. You gotta speak up. We gotta speak up. Bible says in Psalms 107. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. We used to sing a song, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's say so. Let's speak out. I know it's hard. One of my favorite sports heroes right now, I love Russell Wilson. If you follow him on Twitter, almost every other post of his is his Bible verse of the day. Love that. He has this high influential platform because of being a quarterback for Seattle. And he's using that influence for Jesus' sake. See, and just yesterday, I happened to see on Twitter a post that he put on, a little graphic, which was from Jackie Robinson. And I love this quote. I'd heard it before, but it's so good. He said, a life is not important except in the impact it has on others' lives. A life is not important except for the impact that it has on others' lives. We are charged by Jesus to have an impact on other people's lives because love does. God's going to rock your world in some different areas. Maybe it's maybe it's something like... You're just going to get passionate about water wells in Africa, and you're just going to go all in. And you've got to place it on your heart, and you're going to do that. Don't forget your neighbors as well. God may may rock your world to help um, teens who are, who are caught in, in, in sexual slavery that's happening, all these different things right under our noses, and you're going to do whatever it takes to reach out, but don't forget your neighbors as well. God's going to call many of us to get involved in some way all across this world. But don't forget that while we go, we also go locally. We also go right here where God has placed us. God intended for you to live right where you live. There's a reason why you live in the neighborhood where you live. I'm convinced of it. God knew what he was doing when you bought your home. You're thinking, oh, I got a great deal. It was happened to be a really good deal in the market. No, God, knew, God had ordained you to be right where you are on purpose. I believe it with all my heart. Because there's some neighbors in your neighborhood that need your impact. Don't be the undercover Christian. I was. Junior high, I was the undercover Christian. Man, just... I, I look back and I think, how crazy. I was chronic stutterer I was really afraid to be in front of people I remember I wanted to tell someone about Jesus and I just was too afraid to do anything so what I did and who knows God may have actually used those things but I, I the, the lockers had little vents in them I'd take tracks and I'd stuff tracks in lockers. I'd, I'd be going to the bathroom like during, during you know I'd take a, say, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And I'd go out in the hallway and I'm stuffing tracks in, in lockers. I remember wrapping tracks and toilet paper in the bathroom thinking, someone's going to read this. Maybe they're going to come and hear about Jesus. It's fun and maybe God's going to use that. Someday, I'm, I may meet someone who said, I was, I was going to the bathroom and I saw this track there. I'm going to find out it was that. But what if we could be intentional and actually use our voices as well. Not be so afraid, but let God use you. Finally, number five, by sacrificing for people. By sacrificing. This is the greatest graduate level loving there is. The great sacrifice means great impact. Think about Jesus. He is the greatest example of sacrifice the history of the world and he has had the greatest impact ever I want to challenge you to sacrifice your time to engage in relationship with your neighbors I want to encourage you I want to challenge you to sacrifice time to help build God's kingdom here in Woodbury the East Metro I am so blown away by the amazing life team members that we have many of who come in at seven o'clock to help set this place up. I just think, wow, that is awesome. They get it. They're sacrificing their time. The people who are going and serving and go kids with your kids, your kids, the ones who maybe not may not be in a good mood today, they're with them right now because they're doing it for Jesus' sake. They're doing it because they want your kids to experience more of who Jesus is. Don't forget that. they're doing. I used to struggle with asking people to serve. Last week, I was with Melinda. We went down to Wabasha, saw the Eagle Center, which is pretty interesting. And I was talking to a volunteer there. She said, oh yeah, I come down here. I live in, I live in, in the Twin Cities. I drive down to Wabasha because I just love helping Eagles. I thought, wow, that's really cool. I mean, I'll go visit it, it's all, go volunteer. That's a, but don't, don't make that your highest sacrifice. There are kids in our Go Kids area that are worth way more than eagles. They're worth your sacrifice of your time. They're worth the sacrifice of your energy. Serve. Start a life group. Figure out ways to serve in our community. Get involved. Don't stop. We have a local community here that needs Jesus. We have a local community here that I believe if every one of us would focus on our neighborhood, our community is going to quickly begin being reached because we have a specific focus of these eight families that are right around us and let it expand and expand and expand. We often say, I want to do something, so I'll say I love everybody. Well, you got an assignment. You got eight people to love, eight families to love around you. Let's do it, guys. Let's love people. Let's show God that we really care, that we're willing to sacrifice. Even if it means we have to do one less sporting event with our kids, we're home once in a while so we can engage our neighbors. Let's do it. The Bible says, last verse, Ephesians 5, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is our time, guys, right now. This is our moment. We are here on purpose. Let's not miss it. Let's be people who go. Let's be people who say, I'm gonna, love does, it doesn't just talk. We're gonna go, we're gonna do, we're gonna get involved, we're gonna memorize some names, we're gonna engage in relationship because love does, because love does.